is how do we uh, stop the, the, the negative flow? How do we bring men back to the Lord, to the church, to their families, to their workplace, to their community? You're listening to the 95 Podcast from the team at 95 Network, where we host conversations specifically designed to support leaders in small and mid-sized churches. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the 95 Podcast. My name is Carolee Culpepper, and I'm here with Dale Sellers, our executive director. How are you today, Dale? I'm doing really, really good. Uh, we're recording this. Uh, now we're about two weeks from Christmas. So I want to mm-hmm. kind of turn the tables on you today and ask you how you're doing because you're the one with the small kids and everything. Oh, my word. Well, we had probably the busiest weekend for the holidays this past weekend. So I um, slept like a rock last night, thankfully. And going to just go for it this week. We'll see. <laughs> but doing good, though. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping the week before Christmas, we can just kind of settle in. That was and, the question. I was going to say, when um, does it slow down? <laughs> yeah, take some time and just, you know, think about the real reason for Christmas. <laughs> and, um, you know. You mean it's not shopping and Black Friday sales bit. and stuff? <laughs> oh, my word. Usually I've got my stuff together and I'm all done shopping by now, but I'm not even close, so. Fingers crossed. Yeah. We'll get to the finish line, right? You'll do fine. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you and David, this is your, how many, how many, how long have you been married? We've been married nine years. Nine so. years, and you've got, you're a six-year-old? Six and three, yeah, so yep. You, so so it, yep. It's, Christmas changes as, as the kids get older, too, so. Right. But it's so fun right now. Mm-hmm. I, like, never want to forget these memories, because just the... The magic of it all is is really fun. And, so. and, and as I mentioned to you before, it's really fun with kids. But man, when you have grandkids, ooh, different world. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I bought I bought Sienna. Uh, I think this was for her birthday night, not Christmas, but I bought her a little John Deere tractor one year. <laughs> oh, fun! So, so, how cute. so my son in law has three brothers. So he grew up with f- there were four boys, and my daughter Tiffany. Ooh. We had three girls, and so when I got her, <laughs> at the, I think it was her one year old birthday when I got her that tractor, her. TJ, my daughter, my son-in-law's dad, comes and he brings a uh, really fancy, I can't think of the name of it, one of these real fancy dolls and, uh, and flowers. <laughs> and, and I bought her I bought her a John Deere tractor so she could get on it. She couldn't, her legs couldn't reach the pedals yet. And he oh goes, wow, goodness. he says that this says it all, don't it? You know, you raise daughters and you get her a tractor. And I raised yeah. boys and I gave her flowers. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I, I thought, hey, that's... A, She's going to be very well-rounded, though, oh, right? Oh, she can't wait to go deer hunting with me. She And and this, this and actually, this year, she'll be, she's four. She gets to go to the river. We're going to take her to the river deer, uh, fishing this year. Oh, how fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. That'll be so great. My, my girls grew up fishing. And all that uh, is kind of a good segue, a good lead-in to our guest today. Uh, we've got with us Wendell Morton. Uh, Wendell is from somewhere in Colorado. Wendell, how you doing? Tell us where you're from. <laughs> Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in Littleton, Colorado, which is southwest corner of Denver, and uh, been here since 1994. Mm-hmm. Where, where was? Up here? Where, I was going to say, where, where did you grow up? Obviously, if you been since '94. Yeah, so I I'm not sure I've grown up yet, but uh, <laughs> I got older <laughs> in uh, in uh, just south of Portland, Oregon, little town called uh, Canby. Actually, okay. so you're okay. from Oregon, town. and so you're oh, wow. and you got to Colorado. So you're, you're moving towards South Carolina, like everybody else. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to get warmer, yeah. Yeah. especially if you're there in the winter time. 
Yeah. Well, we had uh, I had an opportunity to connect with you through our friend Chuck Stecker a few weeks ago, and uh, actually we're gonna we're gonna have Chuck on uh, the podcast in January. We're gonna record him then. He introduced me to you, and you and I had a chance to talk. And uh, I found out you have a tremendous passion for men's ministry, and so we want to talk a lot about that today. But before we do, take a few moments and kind of share with us your story. You know, who is Wendell, and you know what do you do, and what your passion is, and then we'll kind of dive into the ministry. So I was, I like I said, I, I grew up on a, a little little town, little farm, uh, just south of Portland, Oregon, and uh, Christian parents, uh, absolutely phenomenal. I am adopted, so I, I, it's kind of a fun fun story as you, uh, you develop your life to figure out, you know, what your heritage was, and, and mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter for who you are now, and depending mm-hmm. on how you were raised, and so, uh, but a, great, a fun story. I've reconnected with my uh, biological family in my mid thirties, and uh, I've had a great relationship with them. Oh, wow. uh, two of them will come to the Lord. They did not uh, know Jesus before uh, mm-hmm. we connected, and have over the years been able to uh, to reconnect some of them back to their their roots. My biological mm-hmm. grandmother was a solid believer and uh, prayed for her family, but they sh- they went a lot of different directions. So. It was God's hand that took me to where I was raised with wonderful family and uh, mm. good spiritual background, good roots. And uh, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative of how God has worked in my life. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 are my verses that say, you know, that I was formed in my mother's womb. And before any day was, he knew every one of them. Mm. And so I, I've counted on that uh, as I've uh, lived my life and, and progressed. So out of... Um, I'll shorten the story, but out of high school, I went uh, to Bible college and then back to my home church three years later to be on staff there. I was there for five years, uh, just kind of a great experience. Um, then went uh, down to Flagstaff, spent some time there and um, finished a second master's degree while I was there. Um, marriage hit the skids at that point, and so spent a little bit of time trying to reconnect and put that back together. Um, which uh, successfully that time, unfortunately, not for long term. But uh, from there, then I went into a, a large church in Portland called New Hope Community Church under a guy by the name of Dale Galloway and uh, spent time doing groups and men. And those were the two things that uh, really uh, um, was my passion because it, it's about relationships. If you don't have the, the solid relationships in your life, with some accountability, with some regularity, with somebody looking you in the eyeball, things uh, can go south pretty quickly. And uh, we had a great time there. Connected with a, uh, an organization called Promise Keepers mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because I was trying to do some stuff with men and uh, actually brought them to Portland. Uh, we had a Billy Graham crusade a few years earlier, and so I was able to use the same uh, network and relationships that were in place for the Billy Graham crusade and uh, was able to uh, to bring promise keepers there. Eventually, after one conference, that wasn't big enough, so we moved it up to Seattle to the the, uh, the big dome up there at that point in time. So wow. moved to Colorado with promise keepers. I uh, was there for four years and um, had a great experience. Fun to see God work in the lives of men. I mean, to get a stadium full of men for something other than a sporting event mm-hmm. is pretty uh, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And to see them come forward, give their life to the Lord, reconnect. And then my world was field ministry. So we were trying to help them build networks back in their local church, build an effective men's ministry. Unfortunately, we didn't have the time or the resources to really connect. Uh, changed our revenue model. Offered free conferences. I ended up laying off 250 people as a result. Aww. So that really changed the dynamic of Promise Keepers going forward. Hmm. 
Um, I did go through a divorce at that point, stepped out of ministry, went into corporate America, was there 23 years, thought I'd be there two, three, four, maybe five years. But to God really blessed and uh, for a guy who has a theology and a psychology degree to be connecting with, uh, you know, the banking world, which is where I was, uh, was pretty amazing. It was it was God's hand to be able to allow me to be successful in that environment. Hmm. And I really enjoyed it. A few years uh, after that, a um, couple of things changed for organizationally and uh, was uh, very involved in a, another ministry as chairman of the board eventually uh, led me to, with a long story, to a guy by the name of Dr. Jim Grassi, who founded Men's Ministry Catalyst. And mm-hmm. uh, he has, had run the organization for 40 years. He's a Hall of Fame fisherman. He's written 17 books. He's got great structure for how to help churches do their thing. He was a city manager before that, a parks and rec director in the Bay Area. And he's a linear thinker. So, you know, you start at A and you go to Z. And he's able to put those pieces together, which a lot of people can't do. Yeah, A lot of people have relational skills, they have passion, they have desire. But without structure, eventually it's not going to go anywhere. You're going to mm-hmm. burn out because you can't do it on yourself via yep. relationship. So that's kind of the short story. Before I dive into your ministry, you said you went through a divorce as you were doing or as you finished up Promise Keepers? Is that correct? I left I left Promise Keepers because I, I felt a divorce was pending. Yeah. Um, and so I did not want to be involved in that in ministry at that particular time. It took two years, but it did happen. You know, I was pastoring our small church at the time, and we took several groups to Promise Keepers. I think two of the events that, that were life-changing for me was uh, we did the, and I guess it would be, was it 96? They had the pastor's conference yep, in Atlanta. Was, yes. I was there, yes. and I was also working for a Christian radio station, so I got to sit in the press box and uh, interview everybody, but oh, just to wow. watch what happened. And, and honestly, Jack Hayford preached a message on the Saturday morning of it that I still, it's actually, I put some of the notes in my book. Because it so impacted me when he talked about what you do when you're on holy ground, uh, and then uh, we took we took a group to Washington for the the big thing up yep. in Washington, yep. and yep. got there at four in the morning, and and still were you know there was a hundred thousand people in front of us. Um, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Carly, I just got to tell you, I don't get scared in crowds, but if you. This is the only way I can describe it. If you needed to leave the spot that you were in to go to the restroom, there were so many people walking that it would be like getting in a river, and you'd get caught and be pushed downstream oh my goodness. To, to get to the restroom, and then you'd have to go up to get back in it, to pop it back, so yeah. you can pop back yeah. out where you were. Oh, my I, goodness. They so underreported the amount of people that were there. It was <laughs> mind-boggling. They did, yeah. yeah I, I remember picture. my dad doing Promise Keepers did growing you? up. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I took my son to that. He was about three or four, three or four years old at the time, and it was. Um, well, first of all, it was a challenge to hang on to him. Yes, the crowd that size. Yeah, I would have been uptight. If I lost him, he'd be gone forever. I know yes. that. But yes. uh, anyway, we had we had a great time, and and he still rem- he still remembers that, and he was. Maybe four. Wow. I haven't. We had. Uh, I think it was about sixty men. We all wore red shirts together, so we could. You yep. know, and and I'm not lying. I have I have the aerial photo of it that, that you guys put out. Had it framed, so and, it. and and I knew where we were. And so I take a I take a pen and circle a little bitty red dot. Yeah. It looks like a it looks like a pen, just the end of a of a writing <laughs> pen. The red dot, yeah. and that yeah. was us. Wow. Uh, and and I mean, and there's as many people. Under the trees on each they side were. of that on that mall, and it was just it was amazing. It was it was a, it was a monumental moment. Of, I was on the board of uh, Canada, PK Canada, 
And uh, they sent a large contingent, and they also wore red and white was their jacket. But yeah. uh, they were they were under the trees. They could not get into yeah. the main mall. Um, they probably came a half hour too late, right? Wendell, what what's happened to us since then? You know, we had this men's movement. It was getting national recognition. All this stuff was happening, and, and now it feels like it never happened. It leads into kind of what you yeah, do. Yeah, it does feel that way, actually. It, it, it feels like we're, we're back before when it started, actually. A lot of things have changed to make that happen. But, um, you know, our focus really is is how do we uh, stop the, the, the negative flow? How do we bring men back to the Lord, to the mm-hmm. church, mm-hmm. to their families, to their workplace, to their community, so that they can be the, the man of God that God has called them to be, created them to be before they put the world together, right? Uh, it's the same, my story is the same story as everybody else's story. Is that uh, God has a plan? He puts you together in your mother's womb, e- even in sin. In my case, I was born out of wedlock. I was born in sin. Didn't matter. God's bigger than all that, and so He has a chance to to redeem and to to transform lives if if they will come into a place where that can occur. The church is a bride of Christ, so that's the that's the vehicle. The, that the men need to connect with and then take that ride and, and make it happen through a variety of things. But um, it really needs to happen through the church, not outside of the church. Mm. How do you get men into the church to start that process? You know, that it's, it's everything. That's a great question. Everything comes down to a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and somebody has to be in their life in such a way that they understand that they have a chance to do something that is born into their DNA and puts them back in, in where they need to be. I mean, they're, they're searching for it in, in all the wrong places. Money, sex, power. I mean, the, the big three lusts, right? That, that kind of move men away from uh, what God really intended. None of those things are bad, but they're looking for fulfillment in those things alone instead of having um, God come into their life in such a way that their life can be transformed. And then if God blesses them with money, that's a great thing, but that's not their God anymore. If God blesses them with power, that's a great thing, but that's not their God. And and their their natural pursuit of of a sexual relationship can be within the, the, the bonds of marriage, and it's an absolutely beautiful thing. Outside of marriage, it's empty. It doesn't fulfill. And uh, those things uh, are, are what, what many men, most men are struggling with at some, some level. So dive in a little bit and tell us a, about their ministry, uh, the Men's Ministry Catalyst, and how it, uh, first of all, we, we want a little bit about what, it, what it, who it is and what it is, and then we want to talk some yeah. about how it can help solve the problems of what you just addressed. Yeah. So Men's Ministry Catalyst was founded by a, by a, a guy by the name of Dr. Jim Grassi. He was at that time a, um, a um, actually Parks and Rec director in the Bay Area. He went to a Jim Dobson conference, and he recognized out of that family conference that he was a total failure. He was searching for success, not significance, and he was not pouring himself into the life of his family. He was he was trying to get up the ladder, and that's again every man's story in some fashion, right? And then, you know, God really transformed him in that one conference he was at. And so he, he changed his life and said, you know what? 
this is again every man's story. We're searching for something, but it's all in the wrong place. And so he 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 left Parks and Rec, took a small city as a manager, and began to pour himself into those people. At that time, he was also a Hall of Fame fisherman, uh, which there's only 385 in the world, by the way. So that's pretty significant. And uh, he would he could he could garner crowds. So he'd go to an exposition like a, a sports show, and he'd have a big booth and give him huge space in the in the exhibit hall. On Sundays before they would open, he'd hold a chapel, and he mm-hmm. he'd share the gospel with these people, and many would come to know the Lord. I mean, his primary gift of evangelism. So when he spoke and, and the Holy Spirit blessed, it really made a difference. That was just um, how it began. Mm-hmm. Then he realized. I, what am I going to do with these people? I'm doing expo, expos all over the United States, actually all over the world. He's been to New Zealand 17 times, mm. mostly on on the dime of New Zealand, trying to build you know business and and, and whatnot there. But he 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 had people coming to the Lord, and he couldn't do anything. What do I do with them? I can't connect. Mm. So that's where the local church came in. The, the ministry actually started as let's go fishing. Is how it actually started using you, his. You already gifts. got me, man. I'm. I, you got. I'm, <laughs> I know, I'm just in. you. I, I've been in since. Hall, I didn't even know we had a Hall of Fame of fishermen. I just want to know how to get in it. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. And and if you ever go to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, Jim will take you out in his boat. By the way, that was given to him. It's got his name on it, and um, you know the 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 vendors have been very very kind to him. Can, can we of, can we set that up after this podcast? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> We got it. Got a lifelong fan I'm, over here. Yep, I'm, I'm not a great hooked. fisherman, but I caught fish on his boat. Amazing how that It's fun. And then, and then again, as it transformed, you realize without some network of relationships, these guys are are going to go right back doing what they were doing. Yep. Because they don't have an ability to move forward, and that's when he began to uh, write the books and, and support the men from a content perspective, and then try to dig in and, and connect with local churches and see what else they could do to make that happen. What what era was this when it began? What uh, did t- uh, time was date was? Forty years ago. Uh, wow. This was our fortieth anniversary this last September, and uh, started in the Bay Area of, of California. San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, he lived in uh, East Oakland and uh, grew up in a tough, tough neighborhood. And uh, started working early. I mean, he, he's a he's he's a he's a pretty amazing man. And what God has done in his life, and, and how he's been able to transform. He moved to Coeur about 23 years ago. Uh, so he's been up there helping build ministries there. He would do, uh, if, if anybody listening understands the, the Iron Sharpers Iron Conferences, he would do those up and down the West Coast. He was a primary facilitator of those, helping churches and men's groups develop f- effective, dynamic ministries within the context of their local church. So, mm. so what do you do with your ministry, and how do you help other churches? begin their men's ministries? So uh, using my background as a pastor, uh, working in men's ministry, moving to Promise Keepers, understanding that, knowing my own personal journey, uh, which is, again, almost every man's story in some form or fashion, you know, we we really try to reach out and, and connect with pastors who have a desire to to affect their men. Uh, unfortunately, more than a third of the pastors are afraid of their guys, especially guys who are high performers, alpha kind of men. 
uh, pastors, you know, many of them went to high school, college, seminary, right into the ministry and, and, and have not connected with men the way that, uh, that some have. And I'm specifically talking about churches that are 250 or under, uh, the ones that typically really struggle with that. Um, but those who are not afraid of their men, uh, they want them around. They want the, the Aaron and her kind of model holding their hands up in prayer and support and, and encouragement. And so um, that's really the focus. So the first issue we have to deal with is finding pastors who are not afraid of their men, who want more than one, one quote, Bible study and a once a month Saturday morning breakfast. They want, because that doesn't transform lives, by the way. The Bible study may Saturday morning breakfast doesn't. It's a catalytic event to try to encourage men in their journey. But it's one step, a very important step of the process, but it's only a piece of the process. So we have a we have a six-step engagement model that we use. And I think I said that to you, Dale. You probably have that somewhere. Um, uh, but really it starts with, and if you want me to go through it, I can go through it in just a handful of minutes. Absolutely, but it, yeah. it's an yeah. important piece, a, a very important factor. Starts with a pastor's vision. I mean, you don't build programs apart from where you're trying to go with the church. Absolutely. And so you you really have to know what is the vision of the pastor. That is also a challenge sometimes because many pastors don't have clear vision on what they're trying to accomplish. And if they don't know, it's really hard to get men to come around them and and go with them because men like to go somewhere, do something. They're action-oriented by nature, not relational-oriented, but they are action- or task-oriented by nature. And so they want to go somewhere. If a pastor's going somewhere and he'll pour his life into a handful of men, they'll die for him, and they'll make that happen. They'll, they'll contribute the money. They'll contribute the time. They'll, they'll contribute the energy. They'll do things that, that uh, would never be done apart from uh, a full engagement from the men. So the pastor's vision is, is where it actually starts, and that's a, the very the most critical point. Then he needs to develop a group around him, uh, a men's council, an advisory board, call it whatever you want to call it. Doesn't the, the lingo isn't really what matters, but there's got to be a handful of guys who can help build out this ministry. Usually what happens is in a smaller church, you get one guy who says, I'm in, let's go. And then he tries to do it all. And 18 months later, he's burned out and mm-hmm. you're right back where you were. So without a team, uh, it's, you know, men's ministry is a team event, just mm-hmm. like sporting events, all about team. And it's absolutely critical that, that you develop that council and that they are, they're godly men. They're men who are committed to the vision, men who will give their time, their energy, uh, their money to to try to transform what's going on. And there's there's some areas we'll talk about here in just a minute, but these men have to be very specific in what their jobs are. And uh, it's not just the guy who shows up to sweep the, the fellowship hall when, when it's over. That's probably not your men's leader. He could be a helper, but he's probably not the guy that's going to take the rest of the guys somewhere. You need alpha kind of guys who, when they speak, the rest of the men of the church listen. Hmm. That's a really, really critical factor. Hmm. Step three is assessment. And this is where a lot of churches, ministries, programs, organizations don't don't get it right. Yeah, you have to know two things about your men. You have to know where they think they are spiritually. And they'll tell you, if you do an assessment, SurveyMonkey, Google, whatever you want to use, 
whatever paper, whatever program you want to use to make it happen. <laughs> they'll tell you exactly where they are in the process mm. uh, because they're, they are honest, um, uh, which is which is absolutely necessary. Mm. And then the second thing is, what's their social appetite? What do they like to do? They like to fish like Dale. They like to go hunting. They like to play like golf. Dale. Like Dale. Like Dale. All those things. Do they, do they, do they like to go hiking. Do they have Not like Dale. Club? A bicycle club. Yeah. An exercise club. Oh, Not like you're, Dale. Now, now, you're, now you're going the wrong direction. No, no I'm preaching. I'm sorry. I get off, I get off my sermon here in a minute. But you, but you have to understand where they are so that you can help build the activities that they say, I'm in. Hmm. If if they all like to fish and, and nobody likes to golf, but you're trying to create golf, it, it, it's not going to happen, right? Mm. So same thing as spiritual life. They're going to identify where their needs are. I need to learn how to share my faith. I need to learn how to, uh, how to, to have a daily devotion. I need to learn how to parent my children spiritually. I need to learn how to serve my wife and, and love her the way God intended. So she doesn't have that blank stare that, that Lindy had, that Coach Mack talked about. Mm-hmm. Those are so so critical in, in the process. And they'll tell you that if you give them the opportunity. Once those things occur, you know both sides of that, then your men's council can begin to engage and build an action plan. Well, hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. We're going to get right back to the content here in just a minute, but I wanted to take a moment and introduce myself and let you know about a resource that we have at 95 Network to serve you as a pastor of a small church. My name is John Sanders, and I'm the director of coaching here at 95 Network. And what I can tell you is that for so many small church pastors, it's not uncommon for us to feel alone and isolated in our leadership role. We have a solution for that. You don't need to be alone, Pastor. You don't need to feel that way. Our coaching program that we've put together at 95 Network helps on so many levels. It brings pastors together. We have a six-month program where we go through some of the basic growth engines of what it looks like to have a healthy church and how to grow a healthy church. In addition to the content, what's even more powerful is the community that we have as we meet together every month. We've got a number of groups that we've already taken through this process, and we've heard some tremendous results from those that have gone through our 95 Network coaching. So if this is something that would be of interest to you, I would invite you to go to 95network.org slash coaching, and you can see more details there about how we can serve you through a coaching relationship. There's a very simple process to fill out a form there to let us know that you're interested, and we will follow up with you and get you signed up for the next group that's getting ready to start. So reach out to us through the 95 Network website, and we can't wait to serve you in a coaching relationship. God bless, and back to the show. The other piece that we often miss is what's going on in our community. Are they are the are the men blue collar? Are they white collar? Are they a combination? Are they executive level? Are they are they hourly workers? Who are the men in our community? What's the divorce rate in the community? What what's what what is going on for with twelve step programs? I mean, do an assessment of the community as well, mm-hmm. so that you can utilize resources or you can be a resource. One mm-hmm. of the two, mm-hmm. and the best way a church can grow. This is not men's ministry, but the best way a church can grow is to serve the community. Mm-hmm. And most of the times, the church purely is in it to serve themselves, and they forget who you use a marketing term. They forget who the customer is. Yeah, customers, mm-hmm. those who are not yet in it. 
not yes. the ones who are there. And, and that's a real critical factor to building it. So start with a vision. You put a group of guys together who are committed to make it happen. You do an assessment. Out of that assessment, you develop step four, which is your action plan. A 12 to 24 month plan. If you're going to have a, a retreat or an advance or a, a weekend to remember, whatever you want to call them, what is it that we need to accomplish based on the survey and based on their desires? Mm-hmm. Those two things. Because then what will happen is a guys will pull in other guys, guys that aren't church, guys at workplace, guys in the community. That's how you begin to build the, the growth of the organization. And from there, then men can say, you know what, I need to, like we talked about earlier, develop, uh, how, I don't even know how, how, how to have a quiet time. I don't know how to, you know, pick up my Bible and do what with it? Where do I start? I don't even know where to start, right? It's it's a big book. Don't know what to do. So is it a verse a day? Is it a daily devotional? Is it learning how to journal? What is it? But that's that's what begins what, to transform lives. So out of the action plan, you develop that. Ministry teams is step uh, step five. It is really focused on three things. A, com- a communications team. Guys need a minimum of three invites before they show up anywhere. Hmm. I don't know why that is, but it's the facts. Is it the same with women or do you know? Or is no, it just guys? women are not the same. You huh. could say, hey, y'all, let, let's, uh, I'm using the Southern accent. Hey, y'all, let's get together. <laughs> you fit and, right in. Uh, and, and, and let's have, have a cup of coffee somewhere. And you'll have table for six and 12 women will show up. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's natural because they're re- you're relational. Relational. By nature. I mean, and, that's, and men aren't. That's what it is. Yeah. Men are not. They want to be, but they're not. Hmm. They want to wow. be, but they're not. So, communication team. You got to have, how are you going to communicate with these guys? Is it text, email, flyers when they walk in the door? And the answer is yes, all of the above. You're going to get them any way you can. You're going to get the the minute the communication team is going to get on the phone. Say, hey, uh, haven't seen you in the last couple. I'd love to see you this coming Saturday morning. Well, let's get together for lunch, whatever it is. But you got to keep the communication team reaches out and tries to pull in the men, however it is. Mm-hmm. You need a discipleship team. That team is all about developing the content. <clears throat> on the other side, of, you know, the spiritual side of the ledger we talked about on the assessment, <clears throat> you need to develop well, how are we going to meet those needs? What is our small group content going to be? What is our, if we're doing a Bible study or Saturday morning or once a month, what is that content? So that it's it's developing men and not just throwing something and, and say, hey, let's get together on Saturday morning. Because I would say, for what? I mean, I most guys are like, for what? Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So you have to have the have the what really being answered. So discipleship, communications, and then you need some kind of a service team. This is where you develop your program for how am I going to reach the community? It could be a mission trip to some other country. But it's most effective when because you get more guys if you do something locally. Mm-hmm. Are we going to serve single mothers? Are we going to do a habitat build? Are we going to support another ministry in the inner city? What is it we're going to do uh, that that will help give our lives away in service? And as we serve the community and meet the needs of the community, the community responds. Mm-hmm. They respond every time. Smaller church, big church, doesn't matter. They respond. And uh, that's again one of the ways that you build. Step six is the, the most the one most people never do. They follow up, evaluate, and follow up. 
you have to know that if I had a Saturday morning breakfast, did we hit the mark? Was the food good? Did we have guys greeting? Did we make sure we reached out to the new people? Was the content good? Did the speaker hit the mark or did the speaker miss completely? Uh, those things are absolutely critical. And uh, evaluate, evaluate, evaluate. We do it in corporate America. Mm-hmm. Why don't we do it in the church? Mm. We could do a whole podcast on that. <laughs> we could. We could. Probably should. So, you know, Wendell, most of who we focus on at 95 Network or this podcast is for is the small and the mid-sized church. Absolutely. Have you seen this yep. work in those settings? Yeah, we have a thousand, uh, about eleven hundred actually churches on our mailing list of people we've connected with at one in one form or another over the last forty years. Um, and I, I, you know, I've seen this pro- this program work. I, I didn't know it existed in the six step plan, but uh, that's what I used for the most part. Didn't do the assessment, which is shame on me. It's like duh, but we had a group of guys who were together who thought they knew the other guys and. Sometimes we hit the mark, sometimes we didn't. But most of the time, uh, this is where it works most effectively. You get into larger churches who have staff that are leading the men's ministry, they want to do their own thing. But the smaller churches are the ones who need the help because they need the outside support. They may not have anybody internally. An alpha guy wants to go, go where, do what? How do I make it work? How do I get from here to there? If they've never done it before, it, it's 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 challenging, and and men are often intimidated spiritually because they don't feel like they are um, as successful spiritually as they are successful in their jobs or in the world or in the community or in their sport or in their hobby. They're very successful there. They get very intimidated when you move into the spiritual world. Um, Why do you think often. that is? Why do they get intimidated spiritually? Well. That's a great question. Uh, part of the reason, I think, is because there's some things missing in their life. Mm. Part of it's because they've never been trained in that area. Uh, part of it is there may be sin that needs to get taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're intimidated by their wife because she goes to every Bible study, every women's meeting. She studies her Bible every morning or every evening or every noon, whatever it is. And he gets up at five and leaves the house at six and doesn't come home and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So they're missing some of the disciplines that are absolutely essential to build confidence as a spiritual leader. He's afraid to look his wife in the eye and say, hey, let's pray together. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge. That's a big challenge. That's a challenge for pastors, let alone the average Joe sitting in the pew. Why, why, why Wendell? Why is that? It, it seems like such a simple thing to do, but why is it hard to do that? Well, it's it's an intimacy level that many guys are uncomfortable with, but want. They desire it. This is what I want, but they're uncomfortable with that level of intimacy. That's not their strong suit. Again, the strong suit is let's go, you know, invade Iraq. I mean, what, that that's their strong suit, right? Seriously, mm-hmm. whatever it is, give me a task, tell me how to get there, and I'll get it done. Sitting and talking with your wife and having prayer is a different level of intimacy. And it takes the other side of the guy who's willing to step into that and be vulnerable. And know that at times when that intimacy level hits, at times there's going to be some conflict Mm. because you're going to get challenged. Your wife is going to say things to you you may or may not want to hear. And it depends on how... 
humble you are, how wanting you are of that level of relationship as to how that conversation ends and, and how you manage that. I mean, that happens in my marriage. Yeah, I'm remarried. I'm married 2009 after uh, nine years of, of being uh, not married. And I uh, have a great relationship, but there's there's a lot of give and take. There's a challenge, mm-hmm. and I want it. I need it. Otherwise, I become like the back to Washington, D.C., where you kind of go with the crowd. And in that case, the crowd was going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Most cases, the crowd's going the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, you have to uh, be willing to do that and just stay in there. Man, there's 55 questions I want to ask you, and we don't have that much time. So uh, one of the, the huge things is, don't you think the biggest thing is when we are not discipled in this at all? Never. Not 100%. It's foreign territory. It, it's it's completely foreign. And, and pastors learn how to preach. They learn how to pastor. But they don't learn how to lead, number one, and lead men, number two. And so that's not part of their seminary training um, often. And unless they're willing to be mentored themselves, it's hard for them to grow into that. So from a 95 network perspective, that should be our first offering is to connect people with you, pastors with you, just so you can help mentor them. Because, uh, again, one of my other questions I've got to get back to is this thing about pastors being intimidated. You know, uh, if you... You know, you read my book, or you're reading my book, or at least you have yep, my book. Yep, and and, yep, and, the, yep. and the thing about that I talk about in there is, I spent so much energy trying to shine the spotlight in the areas that I was good in because I didn't want Absolutely. people to see. And, and I'm not talking about sin. I'm not. I no, mean, no, I, I didn't, no, I didn't, no, I didn't no. have secret sin I was trying to hide. I just right. did not lead well in those areas. And so you spend so much of your energy as a leader trying to get the spotlight to shine in all the areas you're doing well because you don't want the spotlight to shine where you where you are coming up short, which is, again, and that even ties into what you were just talking with Kara Lee about with why men won't be transparent because I, I didn't want to be embarrassed. Right, right. That's the bottom Absolutely. line, man. I did not want – and I finally figured out in my, when I turned 50 that Jesus didn't care if I got embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot that, of energy that, there. That, you that's know? where growth occurs. Yes, it, it does. does. You have to be willing to fail. Lord mm. knows. I got, I got the gift of that. <laughs> well, but but here, here's the difference. You also have the gift of, of open, honest admission and willing to, to, mm-hmm. to get the help, meaning the support you need to make it happen. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Every every successful businessman, I mean, the, the, the top people, the Elon Musk, the Bill Gates, those guys, they have failed miserably because they tried to do great things. Yeah. And not everything works. Not mm. everything works. I wish it did. Mm. Oh my gosh, I wish it did. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't. Well, and when you're performance oriented like me, uh, you know, yep. I, I grew up in a in a Baptist church where we taught you're saved by grace f- through yep. faith, free gift, free gift, free gift, which I yep, totally yep, believe. Yep, yep. But right, what I right, saw, right. what I caught from our congregation, from our family members, from friends was, and then you spend the rest of your life proving how saved you are by your works. And right. and I got to a place in my life where I just never felt like I measured up. And, you know, the subtitle of the book is for a Help and Hope for Pastors who Thought They'd Be There. Uh, by now, right. I, I never could figure out where there was. I just right. always felt right. like, and, and, and I, I'm gonna be really honest with the last person that I want to talk to about that's my wife. Absolutely. You know, when I feel like I'm I'm a disappointment to God, I'm a disappointment to everybody else. I don't want to be a disappointment to her. 
You know? That's right. And it was, That's it was right. a difficult season. Mm. That's right. Difficult well, here's season. the other thing. A lot of guys, uh, unlike pastors, hopefully without secret sin, a lot of guys do have it. Um, one out of every two men struggle with some level of pornography. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a tough one. And so mm-hmm. you take that. And Wendell, that is that's very close to what it is in, in ministry too. It's I mean that's what being yeah, being, yeah there's no difference reported no yeah. no Gallup said there's really no difference, and, and that's not out of the church. That's in the church as well, mm-hmm. and that's in the level of clergy as well. I mean, again, it's a it's a natural uh, expression when you're in the bounds of marriage for for sexual fulfillment. But outside of it, many guys still they they go there because that's their their uh, their go to spot, if you will, and it's uh, it's it, it 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 is troubling for intimacy with their wife. It's troubling in their own spiritual journey because they know it's not right, mm-hmm. and so they 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 feel like a constant failure if that's the primary issue. There's other addictions as well, right? Alcohol, uh, tobacco, um, workaholic. There's all sorts of, di- of addictions. Fried chicken. Fried chicken. <laughs> we have you know, a, lot of, a lot of people in ministry. The list goes, the list goes on. A lot yeah. of people in ministry addicted to fried chicken. That, that, that would that would be, I'm not addicted to it, but boy, do I love it. <laughs> hey, my, my wife loves fried chicken. I tell you, we, we can't hardly go buy a convenience store. <laughs> hey, seriously, because they have fried chicken in there. She said, if we're on a trip and we stop... I know it's coming back out. Well, if you guys ever swing over this way, you let us know, and we'll get you yeah. some good fried chicken. Absolutely. Absolutely. One other area I want to dive into in my list of a million questions is, okay, so all this stuff you sounded, you said sounded great. I, I can see most of our small church pastors going, build a team, put all this together. Yeah. That's overwhelming. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and, yeah. and and yeah. what I have discovered is I've done 95 Network for a while now. Uh, the small church is noted for several things. And one of the things they're noted for is um, uh, not following through, and then there's no consequences. Now, I shouldn't say there's no consequences because the consequences are we don't we don't have we don't have the ministries that we didn't right. follow through right. with. But in, you know, right. it's basically so so someone comes on and says, "Oh, I listened to this podcast. I connected with Wendell. We're going to start a, a men's ministry catalyst at our church." And everybody's, "Ooh, let's go do it." And six months later, it doesn't exist, and there's nothing happens. There's no fallout from that. So, right. what can what can a pastor do? Who knows? I'd like to have that, but I'm intimidated by the I mean, I'm I, the alpha guy. Or I don't have the alpha guy are, you know, we're, we're just, you know, and again, one of the big issues today is we're still dealing with the, the we're in the atmosphere of the shutdown. That has changed yeah. so much. of yeah. yeah, it changed a lot of things. It's, well, it's taken away our hope. In so yep. many cases, but but we yep. got you know we yep. can't we just can't choose to live that way. We've got to decide to change. No, no. no. What would you say to so, that? So, for the pastor who who is a little intimidated, mm-hmm. I'm never going to build three teams or four teams or yep. one team. So what do I do? You start with an Aaron and her. I mean, you, you start with a couple of guys mm-hmm. who you can pour your life into, who you trust, uh, and you'll have to build that over time, probably. And then they can begin to build the teams you're talking about. And, and some of these teams are, are the same people. It's the same small council that you put together that then works through the discipleship, the assessments, the, you know, the, the communications, the service. They may all be the same guys. 
instead of breaking up into three or four teams, you might have one team that focuses, you know, a monthly meeting where you're just organizing. All right. What, what are we going to do for discipleship? What are we going to do for service? What are we going to do for uh, communication? How are we going to reach out to our men? Uh, so it doesn't take, and I'm working with some very small churches right now, personally, because I, I wanted to get at the grassroots level to make sure that what we're doing still works. And so I'm working with a handful of pastors who are, who are trying to build this. And here's the other problem is, or the challenge is, they already have programs for the rest of the year. Now, we're mm-hmm. at the end of the year, so it's easy, but they've got programs already into 2022. So it's going to take time to begin to integrate some of this stuff into what they're already doing. And I never recommend that you scrap or can- cancel what you're doing. I, I recommend you start to turn the ship to the direction you want to go slowly and, uh, and let it happen. Any radical change? Other than being saved by grace, the only that's the only radical change that can stick. Yeah. The rest of the radical changes often fall off, to your point, Dale, mm-hmm. what you were talking about earlier. So build a team, even one or two, Aaron and her, people that come around beside you and really support you, and then build, let it go from there. And mm-hmm. start small and begin to progress. That's the only journey of a thousand miles starts with first step. You just you got to yep. get started. The next right step. I love that. Um in closing, this has been so informative and, you know, um, I just think about my husband actually and how he got involved in a small group about yep. five years ago and just the incredible change awesome. that led from his awesome. life into my life and then yep. into my kids' lives. And just how it's changed the entire dynamic of our house, you know, for yeah. the good. Yeah. And, um, yeah. you know, that yeah. him being involved in that has just been a catalyst for so many good things you know, in our life. Um, wait, wait, wait. So, well, so, so we want anyway. to ask this question, Carolee. So what got David involved? There you go. Well, um, so the first few years of our marriage, we were, I think I've probably talked about this before, but we just couldn't find a church home. Yes. I mean, that's actually something that's really challenging too. Yeah, um, yeah. So we just kind of, we visited from church to church. Um, transparently, we probably could have been more committed ourselves and <laughs> like really finding somewhere. Well, you were in your but 20s. Also, um, yeah. <laughs> But it really took, I mean, us kind of hitting a spot in our marriage that was kind of tough. Um, David, with him, some personal things that were really tough. Um, and he finally just got to the point. He was like, I got to reach out to somebody. And we had gotten involved at our church within that last year. And he, there was just a team of guys that really just wrapped their arms around him and was like, come on, you know, like we're we're going to walk through this with you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what it took. It really took, like you said, just... It wasn't the whole church, you know, just a couple of guys saying, this is, okay. you know, we're okay. here for you. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was huge for us. Great huge story. for us. Great story. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> but wrapping up, you know, talking about small and mid-sized church pastors and how to start this kind of stuff. And like you said, with it being a little bit intimidating, potentially, what is a word of encouragement or a piece of advice that you would give them today? I would say to be bold. Um, don't don't allow fear or intimidation, uh, or, or uh, and the fear is often you know I'm going to share some stuff with you and then it's going to get through the church. It's not going to stay private. It's not going to stay confidential. I'm not you know and so that that's one of the biggest fears. But uh, really, in order to grow the church, you've got to reach the men, not only in the church but in the community. Mm. 
And uh, if they'll clarify their vision of what they're really trying to accomplish, I mean, that's where it has to start often. Then the guys will come around. The alpha guy will say, I'm in. I mean, he, if he's, he's a strong believer, he wants to do what God wants him to do. If the pastor just take the next step, the guys will fall in and they'll support. All right, I mean, does it all work out great? No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. There are guys who are gonna who are gonna disappoint you. There are guys who are gonna say, "I'm in." Then they're out. Yeah. There are guys who are gonna hear what you have to say, and it's gonna go through the church. There are. It's gonna happen. The 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 the, the negative or the failures or the the missteps occur. Yes. But that's okay. If you're okay just getting back up on the horse and riding again, then it, it's going to happen. And you will break through. You will have the Davids of the world who are, whose lives are going to be transformed, whose, whose marriages are transformed, whose kids are transformed. And by the way, whose kids, whose children's children is going to be transformed mm-hmm. as a yes. result. This isn't a one-generation thing. Mm-hmm. You're talking three or four or five as a result of, of what your husband has done. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing thing. Yep, for sure. It's a great picture. Wendell, you have been such a blessing. I have a feeling we're going to have you back on again. Um, part of why I wanted to have this on today is this this will air in the first part of 2022 is yep. is that the church is changing before our eyes. How we do church in yep. America is changing. And honestly, it, ne- it needed to. We, you know, we yep. have we have talked about discipleship for my entire lifetime. I've never really seen real discipleship. And 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 the the community, the society, people are longing for relationships. You know, Carolee shared their story there. And the reality was her husband needed help. He needed someone to turn to. And so often in the church, it's like, come watch us do our thing and pay your tithe and then go live life. And and so there's such a desire today for relationship. And so uh, we'll have it in the show notes, but we want people to reach out to you, to contact you, and and just be led. And this is going to be a process because, first of all, the pastors are going to have to they're going to have to get help before they can help anybody else. But uh, thanks so much for what you do. Thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for being transparent. I I think it always has a, a greater connection when we do that. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Wendy. Great to be with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the 95 Podcast. We look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. In the meantime, visit our website at 95network.org. The website is loaded with great resources created for small and mid-sized church leaders. Until next time, have a great week. Have a great week.